Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sarah Wilson, and this is Wild, a show where we talk with the biggest minds in the world about the ideas that can help us love and save our one wild and precious life together on this planet. Hello, everyone. It's Friday, which means a bunch of things, no doubt, to all of you. One of which is that it's the day on which you get to ask a question and I then endeavour to answer it on this wild format, a shortened sort of segment or podcast episode that runs here on a Friday. So today's question uh, actually came from a friend. Um, it came by a conversation I had during the week. They were asking my thoughts on the survey that was published in the Financial Times earlier in the week, showing the widening gap between voting patterns in men and women, but particularly between young men and women, so millennials. Basically, to sum it up, men are increasingly voting right, that is for conservative and right-wing parties and increasingly extremist parties, and women are increasingly voting in the progressive left direction. So the question that my friend Tim asked me is, what did I think about it all? Well, I had a number of thoughts and I thought I might share what I said to him in a shortened version here on Wild. So let's tease this out a bit. There's a bunch of things going on here and some of which I have covered in previous rants, um, but I think they're issues that aren't necessarily immediately obvious when we start to discuss this topic. So first of all, the biggest gap, as I mentioned, is actually between young men and women, so 18 to 25-year-olds. Now, also in this cohort, while men are kind of drifting right or actually standing still in the sense that young men have always been slightly right voters and something that we'll get to in a minute, women are flocking left. And I'll put the graphs um, in the Substack post, which is where you can also see this chat, this sort of rant as a video, and you can also chime in in the comments afterwards. You'll see that it's actually quite uh, dramatic. Um, and the study looked at a handful of countries, the US, the UK, Poland, China, South Korea, and did I say China? Anyway. But since then, I've actually read that this is uh, a trend that's been replicated around the world. And interestingly, in Australia, uh, Flinders University just did a survey of millennial voters and they found the same trend. Um, but it also found that men are also drifting a little to the left uh, to a lesser extent than women. Um, and I should say that that's young men. So there's a slight difference uh, here in Australia. They're not drifting massively. Um, they're sort of standing still as well, which is the trend internationally. Um, but certainly women are flocking left. So why might this be the case? Lots of people are chiming in on this. Conservatives, left-wing people, all kinds of people are um, uh, having a say on it because I think it is very interesting. Um, I've written and spoken on it a bit already, and I'll put a few links to those podcasts and Substack posts in the notes. 
I think in some respects it's about young women um, being armed with a, a new language and visibility. They're, they're more pissed off. <laughs> and I've written about this. I'll put a link to that particular post in the notes. Um, sexual assault is not abating. Um, I think also phones and social media is also having a bigger impact on young women than it is on men. So the bullying, trolling, uh, the comparathons that are happening there are more dangerous and despairing for young women. Um, I've also covered how it's actually playing out with a very interesting and worrying phenomenon, and that is the number of uh, young people going through a transition, a sexual or gender transition process. Uh, It used to be a lot more young boys transitioning to become women. Now it's reverted the other way, such that 90% of young people uh, presenting to gender transitioning clinics are women, are young women. Um, And again, uh, there's a podcast episode that I do uh, with Hannah Barnes, uh, which you can all check out and I'll put that in the show notes as well. There's a lot of stuff going into these show notes. Anyway, um, I think it's also worth looking at the work of Jonathan Haidt and uh, he guest posted on a related topic a couple of weeks ago um, here on on my Substack. Uh, He talks about the fact that girls are often socialised around cooperation and come to think of governments and institutions as being entities that should be looking after everyone. And when they don't, they feel very much let down. And so they then get activated to fight the system. Um, They agitate into action. So we see them at at protests and so on, but we also see them, of course, voting more progressively for governments who are, uh, I guess, more inclined to have more government intervention and more government engagement. And so I think that makes a lot of sense as well. Um, I don't know if anyone else happened to see this article. Claire Lehman, who uh, is the editor and founder of Quillette, which is a right-wing publication, uh, she wrote in The Australian, a Murdoch publication this week, that she sees this whole phenomenon as representing a dangerous radicalisation of young women which is an interesting perspective. And she feels that we focus a lot on the radicalisation of young boys, but girls too, she says, uh, are being radicalised, but this time by the left. And she points to the fact that, you know, the activists who shut down uh, Sydney Harbour Bridge some time back um, as, as part of a climate protest were predominantly women. Uh, she also, and she says that's an example of violence. Uh, she also uh, points to the response of Australian journalist Antoinette Latouf, who is fighting the ABC for unfair dismissal as another example of what she calls um, sort of radicalised left violence. Um, I honestly find that a very weak argument. Uh, First of all, it's not violence. It's not harming anyone directly and physically. Um, I see it more as um, women behaving in some form of defence and voicing up about stuff that matters to them, which is their right, um, belonging to a democratic country. Um, Perhaps women are overusing a progressive language and even weaponising legitimate woke tropes at times, and I think this is a discussion that we probably do need to have, not here, but that's not radicalisation. It's a it's a pendulum swing which often happens when, uh, I guess, the zeitgeist shifts. So um, I'll also um, highlight a conversation that I heard, a really interesting one on a podcast I sometimes listen to. It's a New York Times podcast called Matter of 
opinion. And it's got, I think, a combination of left and right columnists. And they were discussing this issue, the survey in the Financial Times. And they picked up on this idea that men and women are not marrying as often. And certainly um, that's happening in the US. I don't think it's translating quite to the same extent here in Australia. But, um, and regular listeners and readers of my Substack would know that I've talked about this um, quite extensively and covered it off twice in a Substack post and on a wild podcast just before Christmas. Anyway, um, lots to say on that topic. You can go and check out my thoughts on it. But they made the point that in the past when women and men got married, women would tend to move right right, to meet their partner's voting choices once they were married. And, of course, less marriages means women are less uh, likely to swing, right? They're sticking with their own um, voting choices and not being skewed. So I think that's another layer to the discussion. Now, an interesting thing to note with all of this, and I mentioned it uh, sort of just at the, the top of this chat, not all men are swinging right. Actually, it's more that they're not caring. Um, And a lot of commentators have have referenced a sort of a confusion and an apathy and that the issue is more that young men in their apathy are being co-opted. So this apathy is being weaponised. Lots of uh, data that points to this, lots of surveys and commentators who are working in this space um, who have picked up on this phenomenon in the past. And I've gone into a bit of a deep dive. I'll put the links in the show notes. So if you want to go and look at it further. Um, Ian Leslie from The Ruffian, um, I interviewed him on Wild uh, probably about four or five months ago. Um, he makes the point that uh, young men are just, quotes, kind of staying where they are. It's like they've stopped on a walk, folded their arms and agreed to go to the pub, while the women march on. And I suppose that's probably a good way of putting it. So as I say, this this apathy amongst men, you know, this kind of disenfranchisement, this lostness um, is being weaponised. And um, I came across some evidence um, that another Substack poster um, put together um, as to how this is happening, particularly um, the work of Steve Bannon, who's worked with both Trump but also right-wing campaigns in the UK. And it shows how he used gaming, um, a very popular pastime amongst apathetic men, uh, to draw in these rootless boys. And as Bannon says, he said this in an interview some time back, they're coming through Gamergate, which is a big controversy where I think they did a campaign to say that female gamers were causing problems and were, you know, ruining men's lives. Um, so they came in through Gamergate or whatever and then got turned, this is his words, and then get turned into politics and Trump. So that basically is Bannon's strategy. Um, and I'll put all the stats that point to this in the show notes. In the show notes, in the show notes. Um, so men's rights groups, the manosphere that blame women and feminism for, for men's problems are also taking these men on this journey. And you can see it in action with the right getting up in arms about Taylor Swift this week. Um, it's this this kind of mature right-leaning men are sort of creating this big furor around issues um, that young women are interested in to show that that's kind of a problem and that it's kind of ruining young men's lives. Um, I'm sure you caught all of this 
it is kind of comical. Um, I won't go into it too much here. Anyway, the Matter of Opinion podcast that I just mentioned a moment ago also highlights how um, social media is creating this divide. And in fact, the title of the podcast that I listened to was pod, uh, was Men Are From YouTube, Women Are From TikTok. And they make the point that those two social media mediums are very different in the way that they interact and take people down algorithmic hell holes and that that is also polarising men to the right, women to the left. Um, so I think all of these factors play into this phenomenon, as does something that um, is always worth bearing in mind, and that is in times of crisis, well, first of all, humans tend to polarise and fragment and to create an enemy out there, even if there isn't one or where there isn't one. And so we can see that's how Trump does things, right? So there's chaos, you create more chaos, and then you create an us and them to galvanise around. Um, and so I think that we're seeing that a little bit as well here. Um, and in this idea of sort of zero, a zero-sum mentality, um, and that's this idea that my gain is your loss, and that is what is happening between young men and women. So, you know, if women make a gain, men are seeing that as a loss to them, and so that then becomes a a way or a format for fragmenting further. Um, and we've got to be mindful of that. We've got to be mindful of how we're using language to that effect. Um, and I can see it everywhere. It's it's something worth reflecting on. Okay, so is all of this a worry necessarily? I mean, healthy debate in a democracy and differences of opinion can be wonderful. Um, but I actually do think there's a lot of concern, uh, cause for concern here. Um, I think if we've got a generation that can't find a middle ground um, at this time in history, then, you know, that is a problem. Um, and it is also a signifier of collapse. And so many of you here, regulars, regular listeners and readers of my Substack, know that this is something that I'm investigating quite deeply. Um, polarisation, fragmentation, divisions between men and women they are all signifiers of collapse and they contribute to further collapse. And if we really want to save our souls, save mankind, uh, we need to get mindful around that and start to adopt practices um, that combat it. So um, Ian Leslie, who I mentioned a moment ago, who writes The Ruffian, who I've interviewed before here on Wild, he takes a sort of a positive outlook on all of this. He thinks that um, this division, this gender gap in voting patterns could actually shake things up a bit. He feels, as do many people, as do I, that progressivism and right-wing thinking uh, have become quite stuck and we are going around in circles and that zero-sum thinking is part of it um, that plays into Moloch theory, which is something I might go into in another episode. Um, and Ian makes the point that um, this polarisation could actually shake this stuckness up a bit. It could actually open up things to better the debates. And he points to Wikipedia. It's a really interesting um, study that he, he points to um, where better outcomes, that is better articles, are written when politically polarised authors work on it together. And the reason is, um, he says, because they're working to a common cause. And he suggests that, well, 
if men and women are motivated to come together in sex and love, which is our sort of inclination, um, then perhaps uh, that is the common cause um, and that the polarisation might be eased, might be softened out because men and women are so polarised um, and this, you know, proclivity to want to procreate and to unify in a very heterosexual way, um, you know, that could be a way to start to heal the divisions that we're seeing in society. I am not so convinced by that, particularly because I think the divisions are leading to men and women not wanting to connect um, and not wanting to be stuck in heteronormative relationships. Um, so a little bit of a chicken or egg conversation there, but but interesting nonetheless. The point, of course, is that Ian's um, theory only works if we can find better ways to, to discuss and debate division. So this is a point I make often in my writing, in my general conversations about the place. Really, our survival is all going to come down to how well we can argue, how well we can handle division, fragmentation, conflict, uh, confusion and, and crises. We need to learn to argue better. We need to handle things better. Okay, so to that end, uh, what can we do? I've put a little bit of thought to this. Um, I think, you know, and I've been doing a lot of reading on various techniques for it and I've done podcast interviews on how to have better arguments and, and do better sense-making around these conflicting ideas and issues. Um, one thing I came across just this week, and I'll put a link again, is um, that mixed-gendered friendships uh, can be one way to heal this kind of gap and I think it feeds into um, discussions that we've had here about um the benefits of a co-ed school, uh, schooling system. And if you're in Australia, this has, and particularly in New South Wales, this has come up just recently with a boys' school that um, has just recently announced it's going to take in girls going, uh, I think, sort of from next year onwards. And the old boys have got into quite a hissy fit over it. Um, there have been tears. Um, but it's brought this idea of the single-sex versus co-ed schooling debate to the surface once again. I'm firmly of the belief that society is better when um, young men and women uh, grow up together and um, can, can sort of, I suppose, develop their gender roles with members of the opposite sex. Um, far more respect, I think, is garnered um, through a co-ed school system. Um, per Ian's argument, um, you know, we we could actually make something of this division and these differing opinions and standpoints between young men and women, and in, in terms of what their needs might be. And uh, but we do need to argue better. And I think as adults listening to this podcast, um, we need to model better ways of arguing. Um, we need to explore it as a priority. If you're looking for a new hobby or a, a new way to get involved in making the world a better place, I think finding ways to model um, debate, good debates, difficult debates, um, is, is a really worthwhile pursuit. And um, I think we can start to witness some of the bad ways and good ways to do that with what's happening in the Middle East in particular at the moment. Um, I think a lot of the dangerous manosphere stuff um, 
posits men as victims and it's a technique that seems to to work for young men um and you know I've put links to studies that show exactly how that works <laughs> I've clearly done a bit of a deep dive on all of this um so we can't ignore that men are feeling this way uh it's it's a legit feeling and I I can understand the reasons why young men are feeling like victims and are feeling left behind the data is there to to suggest that it's real. So I think we need to be careful as adults in the room with the language that we're using and any kind of generalisations we make. And there's one in particular. Um, It's common to talk about male privilege. Male privilege is real. Um, It's still a thing, but, or, and, (laughs) there is a divide amongst men that we need to recognise Yep, on the one hand, we have the Elons and the, the, the Musks and the CEOs of the world, the, the Uber dudes, right, who are, you know, wallowing around, you know, in, in lots of white male privilege. But there are also a lot of disenfranchised young men who are being left behind at school. Um, They're being left behind when it comes to entry-level jobs. They're being left behind in conversations. So I actually think it's paramount for us to recognise this divide. Um, I'm I'm not hearing it talked about nearly enough, if at all, Um, and I think we can start to use different language and start to encapsulate the needs of these young men and not include them in this male privilege um, trope. It's a big topic. Uh, I think I've reached the limit of my 20 minutes. I encourage you all to re- all to go to my Substack link uh, and read the links that I've um, put together there, all the notes and charts and graphs. Um, and I really encourage you to have a conversation about all of this with the young people in your life and with each other if you're parents or um, any age group. Uh, I'll be in the conversation uh, that will accompany this video on Substack later, um, where you can also post a question for me for next week's AMA, Ask Me Anything. Uh, So yeah, anyway, you might also want to take um, the notes that I put together uh, to a dinner party, to a coffee date, if you want to discuss things further with your friends. Until next time, stay wild, and I'll see you on Wednesday for another long-form interview. Thank you. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.